This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. from Studio 6B, getting the week started on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do, lots to talk about. Rick Delgado's here with the news. How are you? I am well. How was your weekend? How about yourself? Good. If you enjoy uh, dozens of 18-year-old kids uh, ruining your weekend. Okay, very good. Uh, Rick Amorati's here. Slick Rick, how are you? All right, Big D, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How was your weekend? Fantastic, as always. All right, very good. Geo Friend holding it down. I'm sure their weekends were good, too. So yep. we're all, before we came on the show, we were all learning <laughs> a lot uh, from the guys at TNT on um, how to handle your new gas, the new gas situation, gas now approaching five, six bucks. Some, some pictures out of California maybe have it at seven. I don't know if there was a reel or not. Wow. But certainly uh, north of 475 in most places. And, um, well, Shaq's got all the answers on what to do. <laughs> Apparently he does. Shaq's got no all idea. the answers. This is not going to be as much of a problem as we all thought, according I, to Shaq. Go to, I, our, go to our Twitter right now, at LFS6B. It's the only place I've put it so far. I will get it over to Getter and on the Truth Social as well, at LFS6B. But it's at the top of our Twitter feed if you want to know how to handle the oncoming um, gas issues. Well, Shaq's got the answers. And basically, <laughs> I can't do it just, nothing will do it justice other than to just watch it. So, the, you know, tonight at 10, once you're done watching us, go over to our Twitter, at LFS6B, and watch Shaq's answers to how to handle the gas problem. It's not as much of a problem as you think. So <laughs> he's uh, he'll get it straight for you. So don't and if you're bad at math, don't don't worry right. about it. It's, don't it's, worry about it's it. It's a modern day who's on first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, lots to talk about tonight, and I'm always consistently stunned on how horrible the Sunday shows are. I say that a lot on this show on Mondays, and I'm just consistently um, stunned on how bad they are. And I watched what, what I could stomach this weekend. And I just kept coming away with the same overall thought as this. If we, if we had any leadership right now, we had any leadership right now, what would the world look like? How much different it would look? How much different people's lives would be? Possibly. Definitely. How much, um, if we had any leadership from the president to the vice president to the secretary of state, speaking specifically of those three. And there's Tony Blinkton on all the shows. And all I keep hearing is, well, it's uh, allies and partners. We got we to wait and see what the allies and partners do. Well, we got to do, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to do anything by, we're allies and partners. Everything is allies and partners. So in, in essence, 
we're, we're, we're following, we're, we're appeasing, we're waiting to see. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? That's not what the world needs in this situation as Russia continues to um, shell, kill, bomb, crush, destroy these um, places in Ukraine. The Secretary of State is just, well, we're waiting. We're going to see. Well, I'm waiting to hear. Well, our allies and partners. Is there a difference? Who's our allies, and by the way, and who's our partners? I'm just curious. I wonder what, that, I wonder what the difference is, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I just continually see no leadership at all. None. And what's amazing is, a couple things that are amazing. There's this article today. Now, number one, take it from where it comes which is NPR, and number two, take a big, huge grain of salt for what it says, but it, 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 you can't ignore it. Biden gets a bounce after State of the Union, Marist NPR PBS NewsHour poll shows. And I'm thinking, gets a bounce from the State of the Union? It should get bounced into a home, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it got to bounce. Well, I mean, you got to figure they set the bar so low that him just showing up was going to give him a bounce. Well, that I mean, again, I, I obviously taking this with a huge grain of salt, but it says here's where the here's the numbers. Overall approving rating, overall approval rating, they say jumped forty seven percent, up eight points from the NPR poll last month. Presidents don't generally see much, if any, bounce out of a State of the Union. Since 1978, there had only been six times when a president saw an approval rating uh, by four points or more following a State of the Union. Uh, and those were for former President uh, Bill B.J. Clinton, Bill Jefferson. Ukraine uh, handling is up 18 points. This is the one that got me started on this track. Ukraine handling is up 18 points to 52%. <laughs> Excuse me? What, what is this handling so far, I wonder? <laughs> well, what is the definition of handling? What is, what is he handling? Do people actually think that this guy's leading? Or making decisions? Or uh, has any clue what's even going on? What is that number? Ukraine handling up 18 points to 52%. So was that 34 and because of the State of the Union, or, or since then, it's up 18 points? Coronavirus pandemic handling is now up 55%? <laughs> Come on, this is, this is That's crap. That's up eight points? That's crap. Everybody knows it. Economic handling up eight points to 45%? Economic mm. handling. You want, oh, inflation's up? Things cost me, oh, yep, up. I approve. National survey of 1,322 adults was conducted March 1st and 2nd. I mean, I don't get this. I mean, again, I know it's NPR. I get it. But, um, you know, it's out there. So we should address it. Because it leads me to what I'm going to spend at least on my time tonight, an enormous amount of time on, and continue to hammer this, because I am afraid that we may be the only ones who continue to hammer it, us and a few others. 
part of the plan of the Democrats from here on the rest of this year is hoping that you forgive and forget on many things, most of all coronavirus. There is no doubt about it. They're looking for every exit ramp or tunnel they can find to get out of it. And they are truly hoping that you will forgive and forget and put it in the rearview mirror. And I think that would be a huge mistake. And the Florida, Sur- Florida Surgeon General today, in this roundtable that the governor had, which was really, really good, long. I, I, I could show you the whole thing, but it would take up the whole show. I do have a couple of clips from it that I thought were worthwhile. One of them is him. And saying exactly that. You cannot forgive. This, is, this, this should be the issue of our time. It is for him, meaning not only what was done, the decisions that were made, the tyrannical uh, edicts that came from above, and, and you, you, can't, you can't let them off the hook just because now, now they're going to turn our attention and try to set us up for the long run here in the Ukraine. I'm already, you're already seeing this. Well, you better be prepared. Americans should be prepared for a long, you know, one of those things. So you're already starting to hear that. Have you noticed that? Are they going to call it the dark uh, year of 2022 or something like that to kind of, you know, segue out of the dark winter? It'll be something like that. Yeah. Um, one other quick housekeeping thing to get here, too, from Issues and Insights, which, by the way, if you don't go to Issues and Insights, which is issuesinsights.com every day, they've got really good stuff. They have another poll. Uh, 56% blame Biden's Afghan debacle for Ukraine invasion. Fear Putin will use nukes. 56% said it was likely. 21% very likely. 35% say somewhat likely. 31% just said not likely of Putin using nuclear weapons in this conflict. I mean, I think we need to slow it down just a little bit on this. Well, that, those, that's the Lindsey Graham uh, way of thinking. Let's, let, let's, crank up, let's crank up the war machine. Let's get it going. We need to, uh, you know, have them assassinated, you know, cause chaos and just, you know, j- just, just let us get some planes in there and, and, and we'll take over. You know, on the, um, what's interesting on the assassination thing, when we first talked about this last Friday, I was vehemently couldn't figure out what Lindsey Graham was talking about because I thought he was referring to we should take him out. I heard Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, on with, I um, can't remember who it was with, but he was on some show, and he said, um, you know, it wouldn't bother me if he was taken out. Not by us. We shouldn't, obviously, be doing it. But if somebody there, or one of his generals, he, he made the case that a lot of these generals over there, we, we don't really get the whole picture of how some of these sanctions and the Swiss being involved are going to shut down some of all these generals' wealth that they've been accustomed to living because they all keep it in these Swiss bank accounts. And the fact now that they're getting turned off, he said, don't be surprised. He said, you know, the, a lot of these generals and people, they haven't started to feel the full weight of this. And uh, he, he said... He said, my feeling is that his, his time is short, meaning Putin. Meaning that someone's going to take him on a hunting trip and he's going to be the one they're hunting. Hmm. Or he's, or he's going to drink a, um, someone's going to bring him his tea in the morning and it's going to have a little, uh, you know, kind of like what he does to people he doesn't like. Right. 
So that was Mr. Wonderful's position. So I got to thinking more about it. And I mean, certainly none of us would complain if obviously that happened. When I, when I last Friday or Thursday, whenever we talked about this with Lindsey Graham, I kind of originally reacted to it thinking he was calling for us to do it. Well, which I was, thought was insane. Right. Well, he was calling for anybody over in Russia to do it, which of course... Well, I don't think that's as insane then. But, but that still brings us to the point where if something happens, people will point to us because of Lindsey Graham opening up his big yes. Well, when you say something happened, meaning what's that? You got, that's the big part. I mean, that's, that's a right. pretty it, open-ended it, statement. What it, does that mean? If that happens, to, to, if that takes place, if all of a sudden he disappears or, or you know, is assassinated... Now you've got you've got a galvanizing, um, you know, so, something to galvanize the Russian people against the United States. How do we know you didn't do it? Well, but how Lindsey do we Graham was calling for it. But we also, know your CIA. We know this. We know that. You know, it, it's not like we haven't you know deposed people before. Take a look at Libya, um, and then see what happens <clears throat> when you decapitate. Well, what how, happens? But how it do we know they're the not chaos. opposed to him already? They might be. But but even even if it, with the money situation, like you said, putting the, putting the squeeze on these generals, what's to say? Okay, so they take out Putin. Who's to say that's going to change anything? There's still a war going on, and you're probably still going to have that faction that says no, we continue forward, versus the other faction that says I don't know if we want to continue this. Um, and now you've got an internal fight in Russia, and who's going to win that? You, you you all of a sudden take a the. What may, what they call the third strongest uh, nation in in the world with nuclear weapons, and to send that into chaos, and who's got the codes? Who controls that stuff? All of a su- all of a sudden, things things can get out of hand very quickly in a situation like that. Look what happened. And again, I'll, I'll reference Libya, a much smaller country, but that place just descended into chaos after they took out Gaddafi. All right, we'll continue with this when we get back. Glad you're in. Just getting started on a Monday night, live from Studio Six B, Real America's Voice. Lots to do. We're back right after this. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029, of course, all up and down the East Coast on the John Fredericks Radio Network. Glad you're in as well. Lots to do. Rick Delgado is going to do some news here in a second. Uh, But it's time to do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friends at MyPillow.com. Go right now, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. You'll see all the great deals on everything from pillows to slippers to towels to everything all great, all made in America. Just can't do any better than that. MyPillow.com. Use our code LFS6B for up to 66% off at checkout. Here's uh, Rick uh, Emirati. Slick Rick. Big what sports? D. What's going the, uh, on? It's a purple uh, purple Giza sheets, purple rain odds makers recap from the weekend, Big D. Okay. <laughs> How do we do? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> you know what? Could have did a little bit better. Slipping a little bit there in the cash uh, department, Big D. Uh, Still down. God. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you beat me two to one this weekend. I'm going to give a little recap. So Friday's odds maker pick, if you recall, uh, get a follow Big Sal 25 from Florida. Gave Slick Rick a good mm-hmm. tip. And uh, he said, take Drake minus the three and a half. And what do you know? They beat old Southern Illinois 65-52. So thank of, you for that, Big Sal. A lot of questions about Big Sal. A lot <laughs> of questions. As well, I as I expressed over the weekend on Getter, 
Okay, well, Big Sal's going to come up a little later in this segment here. So, Is that even his real name? I what? don't know. I don't I, exactly. Know. Is Big Sal's even his real name? What is this? I mean, all of, I'm supposed to just believe out of the blue we've got guys who watch the show send in Slick Rick games that are winning, <laughs> easily winning. Guy named my Big Sal. And as I said, has he got like a white tank top with gold chains and like a, you know, pizza stain down? And he's picking a school he's picking like winners. Drake. Yeah, Big Sal. He said he had the whole family around the TV Friday night watching the live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. And uh, they were cheering and loving it. So we'll <laughs> see. He, I got a pick from him in a little bit, but let's get to that game Saturday oh, night. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> we have another pick from Big Sal. Going to the well again, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I may I may go against his pick, though. We'll see. But uh, Big D, let's talk. <laughs> you may, uh, with a name like Big Sal, if Big Sal's really Big Sal, you may want to. Yeah, you might want to re- think that oh, you know, big sal oh. around a big jug you know what guys yeah, exactly that, that <laughs> thanks for the heads up so i don't have the heads off <laughs> good idea all right so we're, i'm gonna go with his pick tonight good point big d i don't want to be swimming with the fishies okay so mm-hmm. here we go uh let's talk about that that dumping of duke on saturday night what a shocker and a lot of folks in north carolina were happy though because they're tall heel fans a lot of long time fans on my getter too uh so saturday duke gets dumped by the tall heels coach k as in ko'd loses his last game at camera uh, indoor stadium with uh, 49 former players on hand in attendance to watch an absolute drubbing by the North Carolina Tar Heels. They won 94-81. So actually, Duke Duke was laying 11 points, and what they do? They lost by 13. Unbelievable. I mean, North Carolina was focused and fired up. Um, I did notice though at the uh, after the game was over that a lot of the Duke uh, co- uh, coaches, assistant coaches, they dissed the North Carolina coaches on the handshake. So a little bit of talk about that, but uh, that was disappointing to see. So I don't know. Some people are calling Coach K a narcissist, but again, those are North Carolina fans. They have their own agenda, but Hey, kudos to them. Maybe this will spark them to do something if they get into the tournament. Right now, they're currently unranked, but uh, hopefully they'll get into oh, the tournament. Oh, they're definitely they're definitely in. Yeah, North they, Carolina's yeah. definitely in, no yeah. doubt about they're it. They're sure-handed, yeah. That that mm-hmm. game was all about Duke's ineptness on offense than it was anything North Carolina did. I mean, their guys played fine. I watched the whole game. I mean, yeah. Duke, I don't know what they were doing on offense. The, the freshman kid, I know he played a good first half, but he was – he was so awful in the second half. Tried to do way too much. Just oh, get yeah. rid of the ball. Get he looked the like ball. a bricklayer. Yeah, oh, it was, was terrible. All, it, was, they were, it was awful. They were all caught up in the moment. Right. So anyway, um, let's not uh, let's one more pick. We got to get the big uh, the the pick in for um, odds makers right now because uh, we have a nine we have a nine uh, thirty tip. Big D. This is Big Sal's pick. You're telling this me about. This is Big Sal's pick. Mm-hmm. So Big Sal is suggesting that uh, <laughs> I go with the Zags tonight, Gonzaga. Um, so, uh, oh, they, only the number one team in the country. Why not? How much chalk yeah. are they laying? Well, right now, well, they, he uh, hit me up yesterday, said they were laying 12, take them because they beat San Francisco the last two meetings by 16. They're playing San Francisco again at home, 9 p.m. tip. And uh, Big Sal is saying, take them at minus 12. Uh, I'm going to be laying 14, Big D. I, I saw 14 and 14 and a half. Let's just go with 14. That's enough. I'm going to take the Zags. I'm not going to take any chances by going with San Francisco because I don't want to end up in the San Francisco Bay this weekend. So <laughs> I think you're right about that one, Big D. We'll go with that. All right. So you're going, you're going with Big Sal laying 14 on Gonzaga. Yes, and that's a 9 p.m. tip. I'm going to check the line while you do the rest of sports. Make sure you and Big Sal, <clears throat> whoever that is, are not uh, trying to screw me over here. All right, well, let me get one more in, Big D. Our favorite sport to report on is 
the true American patriot sport of the rodeo. And it's Matagorda County Fair and Livestock Exposition in Bay City, Texas, the great state of Texas. And you know we love Texas. Bareback riding leaders, uh, Waylon Bourgeois, 86 points on Ladies Man. That held up from the weekend because I reported that on Friday. So that was actually Thursday night. He held the score for the whole weekend. He won the bareback. Steer wrestling, we have a tie. Matt Reeves and Sterling Walton, five and a half seconds. They each picked up a cool 13.02 in cash apiece. Team roping, we also have a tie. Boy, we have more ties than a Donald Trump tie collection in Macy's. Uh, tie, uh, Peyton Emmett and Lucas Falconer and Tyler Waters and Tyler McKnight, 4.9 seconds, all $1,600 each. Saddle Bronc, Brody Wells, 85 and a half points on Foxhole Gunner. Love that name. Tie down roping. B. Green, 8.9 seconds. Bow Racing, Natalie Bland, 13.89 seconds. That is a rip-rocking score. I'll tell you that. Good old Barrel Racing, 15.34. Bull Riding, Kobe Whitford, 89.5 points on. Time Bomb. And uh, the all-around cowboy, you guys may be wondering... Wyatt Mugley, $512, tie-down roping and team roping. Total payoff for this rodeo, little rodeo, $48,267. But I'm going to get into the Houston rodeo later, and that's $1.7 million worth of payouts. And that's a wrap in sports big day. A little long-winded, but so <clears throat> No, it's be. fine. Um, Gonzaga's 14 and a half. 14 and a half it is, big D. Whatever across the line the is. Is that Caesars? That's all across the board, 14 and a half right now. All right, I'm going to lay the 14 and a half, and uh, I just don't want to go against Big Sal. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, sounds like a pretty good idea. Good advice. I guess you guys want me to stay on the show. Yeah. All right, let's do – thanks, Rick. Let's do some news. And here with the news is uh, Rick Delgado. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. 7cells, if you need that ivermectin or that early prevention kit. By the way, they've got other great stuff for men and for other things, pain, creams, and uh, – you know, other things that you may need, but it's not just COVID-related stuff. They've got great stuff. Seven Cells, that's spelled out S-E-V-E-N-C-E-L-L-S, sevencells.com, our code LFS6B, 10% off at checkout. What's going on, Rick? All right. Well, uh, one story we haven't touched base on in a couple days was the trucker convoy. The U.S. version that, of course, we saw the Canadian version happening last month as an anti-COVID-19 restriction trucker convoy circling the nation's capital will not be entering Washington, D.C., at least not yet, according to organizers. Organizer Brian Bays, uh, Braves spoke to, members of the, spoke to members of the convoy early Monday at Hagerstown Speedway in Maryland where the convoy had camped out for the night told the assembled crowd that we're not going to be enter- entering the Capitol yet out of fear that it would be cast in the same light as the January 6th Capitol riot. I'm fearful, he said, and the organizers are fearful of them trying to use us um, the way they did January 6th. It is our belief that they will try to do that. That means this time, meaning today and tomorrow, we are not and will not go into D.C. proper. The convoy leader said that he's aware that some of the members of the convoy passionately do want to go to D.C., but he says, I have to worry about the safety of the children that are in this convoy. I have to worry about the safety of each and every single one of you and don't want that on my conscience that I brought people down there and bad stuff happened. And that's uh, reflecting a lot of things of uh, what people have been talking about, also mentioned today on The War Room with Steve Bannon, of avoiding D.C. They're just driving around it. And I saw Ben Burkwam also uh, reporting it as well um, because they fear that there could be a trap laid for them if they drive into there. So, Nothing good can come of that. No. Yeah, so they're going to circle D.C. and make their, uh, make their concerns known doing it that way, driving the speed limit and, of course, not breaking any laws. Yeah, because instead of the – you see what's going on with this January 6th committee, which we'll get into. Now you'll have a new um, 
you'll have a new committee for for some for that. So right. there's nothing good that can come of it. So I think that's a good decision. Yeah. Keep watching Real America's Voice. We'll cover it. No one else will, but you'll get you'll get coverage here if you're in the convoy. So Ben Burkham's doing great reporting. All right, 26 past the hour, live from Studio 6B, a lot more to do. We'll do some more news with Rick when we get back right after this. the hour live from studio 6b we'll do some more news and here with that is rick delgado what's going on um, what else is going on in the news all right some exciting stuff happened over the weekend not sure if you caught this but bill clinton uh crawled out of his hole to relaunch the clinton global initiative yeah <laughs> the thing he canceled after Hillary lost the election. Uh, the gathering of A-listers from business, government, and charity that shuttered during the H- Hillary Clinton presidential campaign amid questions of fundraising is now cranking up again. Clinton sent letters to supporters of his charity foundation. Uh, Bloomberg reported revealing the return of the star-studded annual policy conference held in conjunction with the United Nations General S- Assembly. Just like the world we're living in, the September meeting will likely look different than the ones we've held before, he wrote in a letter to CGI members. But what will not be different is the amount of money we intend to bring in. No, I wrote that in. Uh, Is a spirit that has driven CGI from the very beginning. The idea that we can accomplish more together than we can apart. The uh, Clinton Global Initiative hosted annual meetings from 2005 to 2016, but they were closed down in August of 2016 as Hillary Clinton battled and lost to Donald Trump for the presidency. Um, of course, the, the 2016 questions that were raised about donors to the former president's charity and whether the Clinton Foundation benefited from Clinton's role as Secretary of State in the Obama administration still remain. Um, overall funding for the Clinton Foundation, which includes the Clinton Development Initiative and the Presidential Center in Little Rock, Arkansas, has dropped since Clinton's loss to Trump. But they are planning to crank it up again. They saw a peak of $62.9 million in 2016 drop all the way down to 16.3. But don't worry, they're starting it up again. So get your checkbooks out and make sure you make it payable to Bill and Hillary. Yeah. Okay. Oh, BJ's back on the scene. Yes, he is. Doing what he does. More than, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, more than one meeting, doesn't it? Do you hey, have any, uh, any other news, Rick? Yeah, the IRS is attempting to hire 10,000 more workers to make sure they get your tax money. The uh, IRS is hiring 10,000 employees as part of an attempt to address the backlog of nearly 24 million tax returns, most of which are outstanding from the 2020 tax season. The Washington Post reports the agency has given approval for direct hiring authority to expedite the recruiting uh, effort. And one source told the newspaper the agency is hiring 80 80 types of positions from tax attorneys to entry-level clerical workers. IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick wrote Congress last month to address some of the issues facing his agency, including a lack of funding needed to train and maintain a staff. So... All right, very good. We'll do some more news in a little bit. Uh, let's go cut one, G. Let's get to um, what was going on in the Sunday shows. Our sec- our Secretary of um, State, who, um, I don't know. 
I don't know. Just uh, it doesn't come across as the statesman that you need in this um, in this situation, or of a statesman at all. Quite frankly, um, seems very easy to just uh, appease, appease. Wait, we'll see. Well, let's see what look, you can hear. The cuts for yourself. Cut one. G. Roll it. We're getting towards the end of the second week of this conflict. Can this still end diplomatically mm. with Vladimir Putin in charge of Russia? You know, how this ends is um, uh, is an important question. And, and I wish that we could see signs that President Putin was willing to engage diplomatically to bring this aggression to a close. Right now, uh, we're not seeing them. Uh, he was on the phone, President Putin, with President Macron of France yeah. uh, a couple of days ago. And by all accounts, according to the French, he's digging in and doubling down. Uh, and I think we have to be ready that this could go on for some while. Um, the sheer force that Russia can bring to bear, the manpower, uh, the expanse of its military, uh, has the potential to keep grinding down these incredibly brave and resilient Ukrainians. But here's the thing. Uh, winning a battle is not winning a war. Taking a city is not taking the hearts and minds of Ukrainians. And what we've learned over the past couple of weeks yeah. is that they will fight to the end for their country. And if it takes uh, a week, if it takes a month, if it takes a year. And he has no plan, Putin, uh, for how this actually ends on his terms. Um, he can't impose his will and, and Russia's will on 45 million Ukrainians. They've clearly demonstrated that. But it may take some considerable you, you time see, well, to, what's to missing play so out. Far, want... what, you don't hear, what you don't hear is um, maybe how you could maybe help the Ukrainian people. There's nothing. Is there anything about this statement that makes you feel like uh, he's doing anything more than just going back and going, hey, well, good luck over there, you guys. <laughs> Let us know if you come out the other side. Isn't that what it sounds like? The only thing missing was, uh, you know, referencing uh, how large Russia is and how small Ukraine is and that a large country invaded a small country. Well, that might be and coming up. Bad. That might be coming up a little later. OK. But I mean, but what, what is this statement again? Like, what is this? Where is the, well, here's what we're doing. Here's what we still need to do. Here's what we should have done. We're, we're, we're working on getting them this. We're working on getting them that. We're going to arm them with this. We're going to help them fight these bastards with this. I mean, there's just nothing. I don't hear anything from this guy. I hear, hey, just, uh, you know, listen, we're all, we're pulling for you. <laughs> we're pulling for you against this crazy guy. Don't worry. He doesn't know how it's going to end. He can't take your heart. You get back to us, though. Let us know how it goes. Send us a postcard. Like cheering from the cheap seats. No, I mean, seriously, is, is that what you hear? That, that, that's all I hear. I mean, how, if, I, yeah. if, if you're in Ukraine and you've, you've, you, you've fled your... And you're paying any attention to what's going on, you, you can't feel... You're going, good God. He's patting them on the back. They may not expect us to come over there or in flows. I mean, no, nobody wants to send our men and women there, obviously. Well, no, nobody wants to try to enforce a no fly zone, obviously. But geez, could we, um, can we do anything to help them? What happened to the MIGs they were supposed to get from Poland? Poland said uh, the U.S. is spreading fake news. Did you see that? Could be. I mean, does Poland really want to get pulled into this? Because, you know, if they're supplying the Ukraine with, with arms, can the, the, the Russians just go, hey, hey, Poland, uh, we, got a, we got a problem now. 
Well, they may have a problem anyways, though. Isn't that the point with all of this? Like, if you don't stop, if you don't, if you don't deter the guy at some point, do you think the problem's not going to come to you? I mean, it's like it's going back to the original people. Well, it doesn't matter. It's too far away. When does it matter? When does it matter? When he crosses into what? It fell in the blank. Okay, it matters when he goes next to blank. When does it matter? You put anything in the blank? Well, you got to ask them over there, what is it going to take? What would it take for Poland to actually do that? I mean, maybe Poland wants to do it, and they were going to try and do it on the sly, but now they gotta, now they got to tamp it down because this guy opened up his trap. It's like, look, we can't do this if you're talking about it. All right, let's go cut two, G. Let's, um, now the new thing is today we're going to get a vote on maybe banning imports of Russian oil. Roll that. Let's start uh, with the ban on oil imports. Uh, I know as late as last week, there was still, uh, the administration was saying, no, we can't do the 100% ban. Uh, has your mind changed? Has the administration's mind changed on this? Are you looking at a full embargo on Russian and gas, uh, Russian gas and oil? Uh, Chuck, Chuck, I spoke to the, uh, the president and the cabinet, the leading members of the cabinet about this uh, just yesterday uh, from Europe. And we are now in, uh, in very active discussions with our European partners uh, about oh, banning the, uh, the import of Russian oil okay. uh, to our countries, while, of course, at the same time, maintaining a steady uh, global mm -hmm. supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, the actions we've taken to date have already had a devastating impact on the Russian economy. We see uh, the ruble in freefall. Uh, we see uh, the uh, economy heading into a, a deep recession. Uh, we, uh, we've already had a major impact, but uh, we are looking, uh, again, as we speak, yeah. in coordination with allies and partners at this prospect so of banning oil imports. Hmm. So we won't act on our own. We have to wait for, right. allies, wait for and partners. allies and partners to let us know what they think, and then we'll decide where we stand, I guess. Right. And then, you know... Uh, the administration now finds themselves in a position, guess what? We're going to go to Venezuela and Iran and get some oil because those guys are really big fans of ours. Um, and, of course, you know, Democrats love dealing with Venezuela and Iranians and stuff like that and, and, and looking for anything they can do to kind of prop up, prop up the, uh, you know, the dictators there. So let's hand them some cash for their oil. That'll work. While we help them put a put a nuclear warhead on a uh, on a on a missile, at least in right. Iran, this Iran deal, for to believe what we've read from some of the people who would seem to know what these negotiations are like, says that uh, we're just getting taken to the cleaners. This this guy Rob, whatever his name is. Well, yeah, there. that's because we have uh, China and Russia are actually negotiating the deal for us, so it should work out really well. And speaking of this whole import. As written by the, believe it or not, editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, they say um, this isn't even a mere ban on Russian oil imports. Is it just a distraction from the real issue? This is a largely symbolic gesture, they say, that ducks the real main issue, whether to sanction all Russian energy exports. Oil and gas revenue makes up about half the Kremlin's budget. And it's critical to financing Vladimir Putin's bloody war in Ukraine. The problem is sanctions on Russian energy could also harm the world economy, and especially Europe, which imports about 25% of its oil and 40% of its natural gas from Russia. 
But unless the U.S. is willing to grasp this nettle, the world will continue to finance the Putin war machine. U.S. politicians are now ducking the subject, even as they rush to ban U.S. imports of Russian oil. The best argument for banning U.S. purchases is to show a reluctant Europe that the U.S. is willing to make sacrifices first. But Russia accounted for only 8% of U.S. petroleum imports and 3% of oil consumption last year. It wouldn't be hard for the U.S. to replace this or for Russia to find another buyer. Democrats are rushing to embrace this U.S. ban in part as a shield against criticism for their party's anti-fossil fuel policy. Nancy Pelosi has endorsed the idea, and vulnerable House Democrats like New Jersey's Josh Gottenheimer are jumping all on board. A U.S. purchase ban would do really not much, but it would let politicians claim credit for doing something even as they avoid the sanctions that really matter on any company or bank in the world that buys Russian oil and gas. Russian energy is exempt from the swift sanctions against some Russian banks, and the U.S. has declined to impose so-called secondary sanctions against banks worldwide that finance the Russian energy trade. The U.S. has imposed those sanctions on Iran and North Korea, and they are effective. The case for secondary sanctions on Russian oil exports is stronger than for natural gas, which Europe needs in the near term. The worry is that oil sanctions would send the global crude price soaring even higher than Friday's close of $118 a barrel. Well, it got higher than that today. Yeah. What was it, 130 Hit 130 then I think it retreated back to about Oof. 118 Wow. <clears throat> but the... Um, the point is here that this is not, this is, again, really more of a symbolic gesture. It's it, really, it's, you need the grand plan if you're really going to stick it to them. And you need to unleash what we're doing here, which they're just not willing to do. We know right. Watched a lot of Raft today, man. So it's so good. Watched the morning show this morning with Karen and um, Ed. It was great. Jessica and Terrence. They weren't at Benny's, but they'll be back there on Wednesday. And then I watched um, watched Bannon. Watched John and Amanda tonight for us. Watched Dr. Well, Karen was filling in for Dr. Gina. She did double duty today. Saw David Zier on with Karen Turk. He was great, as always, from the uh, America First Warehouse. That was good. Um, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by MyPillow.com. Use our code LFS6B at checkout for up to 66% off all selected items. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Well, speaking of Real America's Voice on the Getter Chat, which is a great chat, a lot of great patriots on there. I love them all. Uh, but I got to tell you, crazy Facebook truck has said, 
when is Damon going to let you host a show? I said, one day soon. That's <laughs> right now. Go ahead. Take over. I'll do sports. <laughs> Damon needs another night off. You'd be good at sports, too. You'd be real good. Anyway, speaking of sports, we didn't cover the other half of our odds makers, Big D. We had 500 on loss from Slick Rick on Saturday night. UFC 272 from the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas, where Colby Covington easily handled Jorge Masvidal in their match. It was a unanimous decision going to Covington, 49-46, 50-44, and 50-45. And like you said, offset, never in doubt was the, was the match. No. Yeah, I guess so. Big Sal doesn't watch UFC. Yeah, I didn't right. get that from Big Sal. Yeah. Although- <laughs> Good point, Jake. Big Sal did chime in about two hours ago. I missed his uh, his geat, and he said, hey, I'm still taking the Zags. Go with the Bulldogs tonight. They're 19-2 versus Frisco against the spread, and uh, they're going to rock and roll. So, anyway, he's taking them. Even at 14 and a half, he said, stay with them, Big D. So, that's what we're doing. All right, let's do a little golf, PGA men's tour. So, wait, wait. I thought we were talking about Masvidal. Oh, you Talk got, about the fight a little bit? I was moving along, but yeah, what do you got? You, you watched the fight Saturday night, correct? I watched every fight, every second of every fight, as I do most UFCs. Prelims, main card, the whole deal. Yeah, it was a Ukrainian fighter. Covington was... Um, I think people forget, with, with, without Masvidal with the, with the one... Um, what do you call I mean, he's had a couple good wins. I don't want, I, I don't want to take it away, but... You watch the highlights of them setting up of all the knockouts he said. He had short hair back then. I mean, he, it's been a long time since he's been knocking people out. Yeah. Now, he had a great fight against Nate Diaz when he won the BMF belt. And obviously, he had the spectacular three-second knockout of um, with the knee to uh, uh, what's his name there? I think his name's slipping my mind right now. Ben Askren. Thank you, Damon. Um and that's what really propelled him to kind of stardom is that knockout of Ben Askren with the knee. But honestly, since then, if he doesn't get you in the first, you know, if he's looking for the knockout, if he doesn't get you, and against someone like Covington, who's a supreme wrestler. Yeah. Great reach. Great. It was no, just, yeah. it was really never in doubt. He got hit one time the whole fight that he kind of buckled, but that was it. Yep. Good match in Vegas. It was, good. It was a good card. They got some good cards coming up too, UFC. There was a Ukraine fighter, and he got very emotional after the uh, after the bout as well. I heard that was uh, you know that was very, in the prelims. Yeah, in the prelims, correct. Yeah, I don't have that fighter's name, but it was a very emotional win for for them. Uh, and uh, let's go to PGA men's. Uh, Scheffler comes up clutch with pause needed to win Bay Hill. This is an AP report, Big D from Orlando, Florida. Scotty this- Scheffler, huh? Yes, Scotty Scheffler. Isn't sure he won the Arnold Palmer invitation as much as he survived it. Over the final hour, uh, final four holes Sunday at Bay Hill, he had to get up and down from 149 yards in rough, covering the tops of his shoes, for, and from 67 yards over the water to a back pin on the third easiest hole. The two conventional paws that followed were just as scary, one from 45 feet and the other from about 70 feet on greens with barely enough grass to keep the ball from sliding, knowing a gust would send the ball an extra eight feet. So he was challenged with the weather as well. Scheffler answered every challenge. He closed with a bogey-free back nine at Bay Hill and an even par 72 for a one-shot victory. His second on the PGA Tour in a month. He moved to number five in the world. Victor Hovland, 74, missed an 18-foot birdie putt from the fringe on the 18th. And Billy Horschel, who shot a 75, missed a 30-foot birdie. In the final group, both trying to force a playoff. They finished one shot behind. Tyrell Hatton, who had a 69 and finished an hour earlier, but 
Scheffler didn't win the U.S. Open. It just felt like one. So incredible for Scotty Scheffler. And he's got to watch going into the Masters, Big D. And the Masters is just around the corner. We can't wait for the Masters. And that's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All right, very good. Slick Rick, thanks very much. A um, couple other things let's get to, G. Let's go, um, let's go cut three. Roll that. Uh, the sanctions are having the impact, and, and Putin is feeling the results of, of those sanctions. You're saying he's feeling the results, and many have suggested that Vladimir Putin is not acting in an entirely rational manner right now. What kind of incentives can the United States and the West offer him to move forward on that negotiated piece that Stephen Gannon was just talking about? You know, we, we have been working... Uh, since the beginning of this, to bring the Russians to the negotiating table. And that offer is still on what? the table, not just by us, but also by our European colleagues. And right, as you just saw— Just stop like for a second, G. I, I wonder when she says that, if Georgie would ever think to say, by doing what? Well, what have they done to bring anyone to the table? Again, all the serious sanctions seem to be from other entities, not from us. The idea that he's already feeling them, I, I, I don't know. I mean, someone who knows more about this than I do could probably tell us that. I'm not so sure about that. We have no idea what his arrangements are with China. We keep seeing reports that he's going to, you know, that they keep cozying up to each other. There was also a piece in Breitbart today, by the way, that says that, and take it for what it is, but supposedly um, they went to Zelensky to the table. And Zelensky said, I'm not ready for ultimatums. But according to this piece in Breitbart, says in an interview with ABC News, Ukrainian President Zelensky responded to the conditions given by the Kremlin to stop the invasion of Ukraine. According to the Kremlin, the invasion would cease if Ukraine would give up on joining NATO, which we knew that before. They were talking about that before this even started. People said, all he's got to do is just say no, and it'll be, this is all this talk about them invading will be over. Recognize um, Crimea as part of Russia and recognize the independence of the two separatist regions in the eastern part of Ukraine, which, of course, he used as the pretext to even start this. Monday, Zelensky pushed back against the conditions, describing them as another ultimatum. He urged Russian President Vladimir Putin to get out his information bubble and start the dialogue to put an end to the war. ABC David Muir asked Zelensky, when the Kremlin says these three conditions to end the war, that you must give up joining NATO, recognize Crimea as part of Russia, and recognize the independence of those two separatist regions in the east to Vladimir Putin, who will get this message from you. You say it's a non-starter, not willing to accept those three conditions right now. Zelensky replied, the question is more difficult than simply acknowledging them. This is another ultimatum. We are not prepared for ultimatums, but we have the possible solution resolution for these three items, key items. What needs to be done is for President Putin to start talking. Start the dialogue instead of living in the information bubble without oxygen. I think that's where he is. He's in his bubble. He's getting this information. You don't know how realistic the information is that he's actually getting. So I don't know what to make of any of that. But when I listen to Tony Blinkton and um, Linda, Linda Greenfield talking about, well, we've been working so hard to get him to the table. I mean, I don't know, but... Wouldn't this be maybe a jump-off point where if we had real leadership and real diplomats and real statesmen here, is this something that we could work off of? Well, if we had real leadership, they would have did this before any of this happened, right? So we know they did, that we don't. 
And, you know, when, whenever you hear the other side, and I'm talking about Democrats and the, and the media, they just keep referring to Putin as, well, he's crazy, he's unhinged. Is he really? Because when you use words like that, you kind of delegitimize his actions. And you're basically saying, we don't really put any stock into this. Because, and they want, you to, you, know, they want you to think, oh, well, he's just a crazy person. It makes it yep. seem like, well, you know, but I'm sorry, that actually works against you. Because, again, that galvanizes the other side. Whether you, you stand with them or not, it's not, not for me to decide. Um, but by doing that, you make it difficult, more difficult, to get them to the table. All right, hour two coming up. Live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029. Glad you're in on a Monday night, just getting the week started. Rick Delgado's here, is going to do some more news. Rick Amorati's got sports, Geo Fran holding it down as always. Lots to cover. Covered a lot about uh, Russia and Ukraine, what's going on there. We'll talk a little COVID in the second hour. Uh, we've got uh, LOL of the day coming up, Crazy Town coming up, WTF of the day coming up. We got a lot of stuff to do here. Well, let's do something now, G. Let's do uh, let's do Crazy Town because the clip that's in this Crazy Town. I don't know when he gave this interview, but I totally missed it. It was over the weekend. Okay, and um. It, it spawned one of the great Biden, Biden um, crazy town moments, maybe ever. And of course, there's only one group of people who, other than us who can put their spin on it. And that's, of course, our friends from Sky News Australia, who are just fantastic. <laughs> so here we go. Crazy town, G, fire it up. check in with the leader of the free world who has trouble identifying his Ukrainians from his Iranians. And now he has Russia and Ukraine confused. How do we get to the place where, you know, Putin decides he's going to just invade Russia and nothing like this has happened since World War II? Joe, Joe, Putin invaded Ukraine and not Russia. He's president of Russia. He has not invaded Russia. It's the smaller country next door. Maybe get a refresher from Kamala to help you out. Ukraine is a country in <laughs> Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia uh -huh. is a bigger country. Uh -huh. Russia is a powerful country. Wow. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. Um, you oh. know, no wonder Putin's been emboldened with these two in charge. Uh, it's just extraordinary and it's heartbreaking to see the state of the US 
and the, being run by these two. It's in, you know, it's it's dangerous and it's embarrassing <laughs> and it's it doesn't instill a lot of faith. And when you look at John Kerry, who's there, let's not forget climate change oh, in the Ukraine war. Stop. I mean, seriously, <laughs> we've got, you know, Me Too movements that are now being discredited. We've got ridiculous notions that we need to keep looking at climate change while the Ukraine conflict's going on. And I think Richo's right. If Putin's in trouble, I think we're all frightened he'll push that button. And I can assure you, climate change will seem like a walk in the park to nuclear fallout. So perhaps we need to focus on the main game here and stop worrying about what pronouns are on the bottom of your email. <laughs> if there's substance in the White House, the world, I think, is legitimately asking that question. There's not much substance. There's not much strength. Um, it's pretty rudderless. Mm. So the question can't be answered positively. Um, the only thing that you've got to hope is that uh, at some stage Putin looks at the might of the US, not those who represent the might. Yeah, uh, I think he's looking at uh, Biden and laughing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Honest media. <laughs> We have to get to the point uh, <laughs> where maybe Putin can just invade Russia. <laughs> what? Where does he come up with that one? Only in Joe's brain. Amazing. As I said at the State of the Union night, when you sit back and look at our chain of no command, Biden, Harris, Pelosi, the, the, uh... well, they could always go to their fourth option. You know, Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> well, we've got some clips of him today. Just, <laughs> I think Shaq's. I think Shaq's got a better <laughs> idea than Buttigieg. He quite frankly, be, he could probably be Transportation Secretary and do a much better job. Yeah, sure. his. I think Shaq would have better ideas. <laughs> like Transportation well, Secretaries yeah. don't have to make free throws, do they? No, no, no. So he wouldn't have to worry about that. But Buttigieg today, I mean, well, since you brought it up, let's go. Cut 11, G. Here he is today. Roll it. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Okay, now so stop. But today's about <laughs> so how let, we let, Let's stop. Let, let's just be real about this. The gas savings from driving an EV. So they're taking the fact that right now you've got the highest inflation we've probably ever seen. We know the CPI data lies, the way they factor CPI and real estate and rentals and all that. So we know what the inflation is. People on fixed income, middle class people are getting demolished. People under 400000 a year, Joe, oh yes are all getting demolished. The middle class is getting demolished by the most insidious tax there is. Gas is $7 a gallon some places, four fifty most places, $5 other places. May go to 10. It's not an exaggeration to say gas in some places could go to $10 a gallon if this was to continue. I don't yeah. think that's too much of a stretch. And, and what's funny about that is Trump predicted that. And let's hope he's not, he's not right. Well, I think he's already right. He said, I think he's already right. He said, Biden will bring you $7 a gallon gas. We already have that in some places. He's already right. Add that to your next, what your follow up on what even is that? Yeah, on Trump was right. 
but the, but so so the the administration's argument today is all of you who are getting hammered already you can't even go to you can't buy the same amount of food you, your money's not going as far inflation there's no we have zero almost zero chance to get it under control as far as i'm concerned you know i've said that that'll be it'll be the story of the whole year going forward but don't worry the answer is find an extra $75,000 and buy a Tesla mm-hmm. so that you can save maybe, maybe $4,700 a year, 45. What do you spend in gas? Even at $7 a gallon for the year, five grand when it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. But you so know- in, in, in 80 years, you'll have your money back. I mean, it's, it's, it, the argument is so benign and stupid. Not only that, but that's not factoring in charging costs because you think it's free to charge your tesla no you still get hammered with your electric bill and guess where that is headed up 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 it's all it's all tied together it's all related they got you thinking oh we're going to save money by not paying for gas and you're not going to you're not going to feel it coming out of your wallet that day when you're at the gas station you'll get a you'll get a, a bill from your electric company every month and you'll be like why is electric so high now oh now you're up three or four hundred dollars a month because i stupidly bought a, an electric vehicle the average electric vehicle costs fifty six thousand four hundred and thirty seven dollars in seven years You'd save $4,700 on gas, $670 a year for driving a $57,000 vehicle. So at $670 a year, you can do the math to figure out when you uh, made your money back. But this is, this is their argument today. But again, that's, that's if the price of electric stays the where it is, and we know it's not going to happen. It's always going to go up. And, you, and what you're trying to say, what they're trying to say is, don't worry. Once everybody starts using electric, the price will come down because that's always the way it works. Yep. No, because now you've got, as Damon's explained a hundred times, you've got more money chasing what? Fewer things. Fewer, uh, there's going to be less energy. You're going to have to charge more to get it because guess what? You need oil to create a lot of the energy that we're going to need. These people are... Not serious. No. They're mind-numbingly stupid. Or just they to, just hope that you're stupid and you don't realize it. Because just because you plug in, you think, hey, I'm not, I'm not paying anything for gas. Just to put it in perspective, even Elon Musk says that they should make more domestic oil. That's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. drill, baby, drill, he said. Exactly. He said, I know this is not good for Tesla, but extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. And, and do you think the, the EV prices are going to stay where they are? No. Here's the other thing on EVs that Pete Buttigieg may want to brush up on. Where, where does he think all of the um, where, do, where does he think all these batteries and all the things that go bat- into the batteries, like all the nickel that's needed? Yep. Who, who, do you think, who do you think owns all that? Yeah. Where do you think it comes from? The cobalt, the lithium? I mean, it's... If we don't get it from the Congo, we'd have to go to Russia and China to get it. Hello. Hello. Hello, Pete. Pete, are you there? Hello. And if Russia takes Ukraine, they have a bunch of precious metal exports and resources there. They're so married to their degrowth Green New Deal at all costs movement Mm -hmm. that they will sacrifice. There's almost nothing, including the safety of the country, as we know with what's going on with Iran, uh, for it. Almost nothing. There's nothing 
that will, they will put in front of that. John Kerry flying around in his G5 telling us we have to, it's just, it's crazy. By the way, here's the full clip that brought out that doozy. Cut five, you said, right, G? Cut five, roll that. It's kind of fascinating when you think about uh, what's going on uh, internationally. Um, Fascinating? How do we get to the place where, you know, Putin decides he's going to just invade Russia? Nothing like this has happened since World War II. I mean, Russia's going to invade Ukraine. And I think, I think the problem has been that we have been so divided as a European democracies and other democracies. So I've spent all my time just trying to bring them back together again. So we're on the same page. And the way to deal with autocracy, the, real, the way to deal with dictators, is united, united front among our allies. And so everything I've done has been designed to bring the G7 back I think together, his hands bring got the stuck. EU. Bring, and now, now we're united. Glue and it's going to be very difficult for the autocrats to succeed, in my view. But there's so much more to do. But the point is bringing nations and people together. And that's why in my administration, I, I, I think it's fair to say, I know it's accurate numerically, we have the most diverse administration in American history. Yeah. Yeah. More women than men in our administration. And how does that factor into doing any of this? Who cares? Uh, more African-American judges been appointed, not just the Supreme Court, but all through the oh, lower gee. courts as well. When okay, that's wonderful. We're all happy for you. How does that matter into what we're talking about? And by the way, what have you done to do, to do, to do this? <laughs> to, get, to get it to that. <laughs> what have you done? What does that even mean? What does that mean? Those are just platitudes. Well, I've spent all my time doing what? What is what? What fruit has that? What have we gotten from whatever you've done? Because I, no one knows. Does, do you know anybody that actually knows what what we've gotten from all, what he's done or what has he done? Well, nobody knows what he's doing, but I think what he's referring to when he's doing this is is, is how he's talking about you know what could be conceived if if you think about it that way. Um, one world government. How do we how do we take how do we get everybody together and present as one? I don't know. Maybe that's where he's going with this. Who knows? Yeah, he doesn't know where he's going. No. One world government. You think that's a special at the... Uh... Which means I'm going to talk to you about our friends at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold, they're going to come on this week. Philip Patrick's going to join us. Been a couple weeks since he's been on the show. It's going to come on. I would say things have changed since the last time he was on, so we'll uh, we'll talk to them. But inflation continues to rise. You know my feelings on it. Big couple weeks coming up here for inflation, by the way, as we get the Fed. CPI data next. CPI print, I believe, this Friday. Then the FOMC meeting next week. So a big couple weeks here for inflation. We'll see um, what the Fed thinks they can do. 
as your, uh, well, paper money continues to become worthless. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? One of the options to consider is physical gold and silver. Gold's poised for a nice run right now. Make no mistake about it. And the folks to talk to there are Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold, they're experts in precious metals. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they'll give you options. You can buy gold coins, convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. Here's how you can get started. Text AMERICA to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with no obligation. Good God Almighty. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts. Get started today. You have nothing to lose. Can't be a better time to do this. At least get the brochure and find out what your options are. There may be no better setup or time to be looking into precious metals than what we're facing right now um, in the world. So call them, uh, text them America into 989898. Get your free information kit. They've made it super easy. Just text America right now from your mobile device to 989898. You get your free information kit and let our friends from Birch Gold show you how owning gold and silver could help protect that savings. All right, 19 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Philip Patrick will join us sometime this week from Birch Gold. Looking forward to that. Let's do some sports right now. And here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, let's go back to the rodeo. Sports Since... is brought to you by, I keep forgetting to say this, is oh, brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. You can use our code LFS6B at checkout for up to 66% off some items. 30%, 50%, 66%. Giza Dream Sheets right now are like almost free. I mean, literally, like, almost free. Uh, towels, slippers, uh, wh- whatever you want. Great stuff. You know Lindell. Uh, great stuff. Great pillows. I've been sleeping on them for, like, 15 years. There's nothing better. Uh, LFS6B at checkout. What's going on, Slick Rick? Purple Giza sheets. I call them the sweet dream sheets, Big D. Yeah. Uh, Cinch's world's toughest rodeo over the weekend. Cedar Rapids in the great state of Iowa. And you know we love Iowa and LFS6B. <laughs> Bareback riding Nick Pelkey, 85 points on. Hip shot. Picked up 29, 28.97, Big D. Saddle Bronc, Brody Wells, 86 points on Mr. Haney. And I said Haney. Miss Bull Riding, Jace Trosclair. I'm just curious. Does the does the mm, does that give you a little more? <laughs> you're getting a little more grovelly in some of this delivery. Does that give you a little like uh, just helps you like? Mm. I think it's, it home? <laughs> might be the coffee grinds, Big D. I'm not <laughs> <Okay>. sure. <laughs> Did you just hear yourself right. do the blues read? Uh, yeah, I can do the blues read. Sounds like the blues. <laughs> Let's go wow. to the rodeo. What Back to the saying? rodeo, boys. Come on. What are you saying, Gio? Well, I'm just saying you're knocking Rick for getting into it and get you know giving himself a little oomph. But uh, you know some of the stuff that you say during the blues <laughs> reads, I'm sitting here like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good God yeah. Almighty. He's Good got, God Almighty. He's got the Lord. Hit me. Twang right. going. Bull riding. Just Jake- America to nine eight nine eight nine. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. With all due respect, let me get back to the rodeo, boys. Bull riding, Jace Trosclair, 86 points on Dust Up, 32-24. And NASCAR, hey, 
good race last night. The Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube in the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Busy Vegas over the weekend in Nevada. Uh, We got a big one. Alex Bowman edges Kyle Larson in OT to win. Alex Bowman beat NASCAR champion Kyle Larson in a door-to-door overtime battle at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and sent Hendrick Motorsports to victory lane for the second consecutive week. The win Sunday was the first of the year for Bowman and seventh of his career. It was his second through three NASCAR races this season for team owner Rick Hendrick. Bowman got his shot at the win when a caution with three laps remaining shifted the race from a pair of Joe Gibbs racing cars to the Hendricks teammates. Las Vegas native Kyle Busch and teammate Martin Truex Jr. were in a lap-by-lap chess match for the win until the 12th caution flag ended the stirring deal. Lawson, the defending Las Vegas winner and uh, last week in California, chose the outside lane for the uh, for the restart with Bowman on his inside. The two were in a drag race over the final laps and Bowman got significant separation only as he closed in on the checkered flag. Bowman, who led three Three times for 16 last beat loss into the finish line by 0.178 seconds. You talk about a tooth nail fight. Unbelievable. I mean, NASCAR is just incredible. You want to watch some good action, boys. That's what you want to check out. All right, Big D, any, any room for anything else, or uh, we got to run to news? No, we don't have to run to anything. we got plenty of time. Oh, we've got a big... all next segment to do news. Okay, well, here's a big NFL right. story. This broke earlier today. Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley suspended through at least the 2022 season for betting on NFL games. This is from Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank said last month he would love for star wide receiver Calvin Ridley to stay with the team after the 27-year-old stepped away from the club uh, and from playing on Halloween to address his mental health. Really didn't play again through the second half of the 2020 season, and his story took an unexpected turn. Monday afternoon when the NFL announced he has been suspended through at least the entire 2022 campaign for betting on league games this past fall. The activity took place during a five-day period in late November when Ridley was away from the team and away from the club's facilities. Um, And, uh, of course, Roger Goodell went on to uh, browbeat him and uh, give him a a stern lashing over uh, a letter just basically saying, this is not what the NFL stands for. You put us in a very bad position, yada, yada. But, uh, uh, what Riley treated, uh, what Ridley treated out, tweeted out today was really wild. He said, "I bet fifteen hundred total. I don't have a gambling problem, so I don't think. I think he's missing the point on this whole thing, where he's just saying I only bet fifteen hundred. But of course, argument is, and some of the players are coming to his defense, saying they're negotiating these million and multi-million dollar deals with all these big, you know, Caesar Sports and a lot of these other big outlets. You know, what kind of message are they sending? But you know, like Pete Rose found out the hard way, he's never going to get into the major league uh, baseball in his lifetime you can't bet on sports when you play for a professional team it's in your contract so sorry young man you got to sit out the season and more so i feel sorry for the falcons because he's a darn good receiver yeah definitely but you're right he doesn't he's not he's not getting it i only bet 1500 <laughs> doesn't matter point. if it was 15 dollars. exactly i mean these guys can't you get somebody to run the bet for you and he mean, says he lost the pick must have got it from big sell <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see tonight <laughs> so, all right, WTF, is that all for sports? Right? That's it, Big D. All right, WTF of the day is Biden, the next Lincoln, Roosevelt, or FDR? Roll it, G. <laughs> Good luck. I'm crazy. I have described you as a transformational president who is recovering the traditional <laughs> idea of American democracy that was established by Abraham Lincoln and then Theodore Roosevelt and then FDR. Is that fair, or did I invent that? Well, first of all, you're giving me more credit maybe than I deserve, but I think it's fair, and I'd like to believe that's what I'm doing. Let me give you an example. On January the 20th, uh, the incoming president has from 11 o'clock on the 20th 
to one o'clock on the 20th to change the Oval Office and put the desk in he or she wants and the furniture they want, etc. So my brother is my best buddy, and I said, Jimmy, fix my office. You decide what to do. And so I walked into the office, and it was easier because the other president didn't even show up for the inauguration or anything. So, so I said to John, he said, why, why uh, Roosevelt? And he said, because no one's ever come into this office as far behind the eight ball economically as you other than Roosevelt. And you're going to have to figure a way out. And I said, well, why Lincoln? He said, no one's ever come into office with the nation more divided. There's those moments in American history where you go from Coolidge to, to Roosevelt in that era where government was the problem and government was the answer. And you go from, you know, Reagan uh, to me. I mean, it's a, it's a similar kind of transition. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm crazy! But he said coolies. <laughs> At Coolidge. That definitely fits the WTF of the day. I mean, he, he thinks government and his party think government's the answer to everything all the time. There's never a time they don't think government's the answer. And for the word Reagan to come out of his mouth in discussing him is blasphemy. Some feedback from the audience tonight. Glad you're in, uh, glad you're in live from Studio 6B. Uh, got some good stuff on Truth Social on Getter. Uh, Lance E says tonight's Crazy Town was the funniest one yet. Entertaining Monday Night Show. Thank you very much. Um, Lee Harper says, guys, you might want to consider dialing the volume down a bit on Crazy Town. Okay. Um, Mo, Mo Me says, love you guys and your humor, but I can hardly stand to watch Brandon's gaffes, but I love how you feel about him and what he's doing to our country. Yes, very good. All right, so we'll look for, uh, somebody says, Bridget for Trump says, Rick D is on target. I don't know in ref reference to what Rick D, but Rick D's mostly always on target, so. Nah, I don't know about that. Um, You're giving me too much credit. <laughs> Did am I, I make that? Am I making that up? <laughs> oh my God! With that intro from that woman to him, just play that who'd part. Who do you think she was talking to again? Are you uh, kidding me? Goodness gracious! Good lord! I see you as a, uh, uh, a transformational. Uh, yeah, he's trans transforming yeah. the country into hell. I, I believe I, I equate you to a Jesus type figure, <laughs> oh, uh, coupled with a, a, a Caesar, and then of course uh, King Tut. Am I making that up? Am I, did I go too far, or is I right on? <laughs> oh my God! All right, let's do some news. Uh, news is brought to you by our friends at SevenCells.com. S-E-V-E-N-C-E-L-L-S. Seven Cells. They've got great stuff. Not only do they have stuff for COVID, obviously, because you know Democrats want to make you feel like it's uh, gone. I saw today out of China, did you see this? They have more cases today than they've um, had. They're shutting down cities. and I think it's a good idea to have it in your, um, put it in your cabinet and hope to have never have it as that preventive pack with the um, ivermectin. By the way, I shared, speaking of that, Dr. John Campbell on all our social media, two of the new studies that are out on ivermectin. And as Dr. John Campbell says, it'll, it will be one of the great uh, frauds of this whole thing, the war on ivermectin, as more and more information comes out. 
the statistical difference between taking it, not taking it, taking it prophylactically and not taking it prophylactically is undeniable at this point. If you have not watched it, it's about 24 minutes. Dr. John Campbell, it's on all our social media. It is worth the watch. The numbers are staggering. So, all right, let's do uh, sevencells.com if you want yours. Take control of your health right now, sevencells.com. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. What's going on, Rick? All right. Well, that same uh, that same little soiree that Pete Buttigieg was speaking of, we played a clip earlier, also featured a tone-deaf Kamala Harris. Yes, the vice president was on hand with, se- with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and they were criticized for a tone-deaf event focused on promoting electric buses as gas prices soar. Uh, vice President Harris and Buttigieg spent the afternoon promoting electric vehicles and their Green New Deal policies uh, this led Representative Mark Wayne Mullen of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, an Oklahoma Republican representative, to announce, are you kidding me? Harris and her potential uh, possible rival, Buttigieg, teamed up for the event, celebrating the one-year anniversary of the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which passed last March. Uh, she had some imaginative things to say, but mm. I feel like the the dim-witted excellence of the vice president can be best encompassed by her own words. Gee, I believe you have that clip. Roll it. <laughs> oh, good. It comes with an intro. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. (gasps) Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. (laughs) Because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been Uh and then to make the possible actually happen (laughs) (laughs) what i I think she stole that from dr seuss i think she stole from joe biden what you wouldn't wear that on a shirt (laughs) (laughs) could be a good shirt i think you'd need both sides of it front and back yeah Oof. So, yeah, that's what she had to say. I, I, I just, you know, I don't know. It's funny, but it's not funny. These are not serious people. These people are so stupid most. I mean, between him, her, and Madame Tussaud, it's just a scary trio. You could rope them off and charge admission to walk by. I mean, they just, she is just not, a, this is why she pulled skim milk mm-hmm. leading up to Iowa. I mean, she is the absolute um, essence of nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. If nails on a chalkboard could be represented other than Elizabeth Warren in human form, she's it when she speaks. I mean, she's just not a serious person. There's nothing about her that you can take seriously. It's just pathetic, the people we're led by right now. Mm. Buttigieg, too. Pathetic. Right? Yeah. Small town mayor. Ugh. In way over his head for anything beyond, you know, being a small town mayor. 
That's it. All right, what else in the news? Well, you mentioned Iowa. We know Rick loves Iowa, right? Great state. The great state. Well, unfortunately, the uh, reason I'm mentioning Iowa is not for a happy moment. Uh, One student is dead and two others are hospitalized following a shooting this afternoon at East High School in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Fire Department spokesman Mr. Douglas told uh, CNN that the victims include two boys, one girl, all of whom taken to local hospitals. The the high school was placed on lockdown shortly after uh, around 3.30 p.m. local time and that the students were then given an all clear and dismissed at one time after that. School has been canceled, of course, for the next few days. The Des Moines Public School Superintendent released a statement after the shooting calling for a change in gun laws because that would have changed anything. We live in an era where shootings and in and near schools have become far too common. Superintendent Thomas Ahart said our staff and students are forced to train these incidents and the trauma associated with the repeated drills. It's unfortunate that our state and our country have become a place where firearms are too easily accessible. He went on to, again, just talk about gun control uh, when he should be talking about the students and and how they can kind of overcome this trauma uh, that they're dealing with. So, unfortunately, one student dead, two hospitalized after that Iowa high school shooting. Oof, horrible. Yeah. A um, couple things I want to get to before the end of the show. Let's go cut nine, G. So the governor of Florida, who's again, once again, under, of course, full-scale attack for things that they're doing in Florida, leading the way, and just pure, just common sense. Uh, he held this roundtable today in, in, in something, I, I forget the, the name of the whole event, but it's worth watching. I found that on Rumble. Um, if I remember it after the show, I'll share the entire two hours or so on our social media. Talking about COVID-19, the decisions that were made, and a couple of clips from it that I want you to hear. And I'm going to keep pounding the ground on this because I don't want you to forget. And most people will try to make you forget, and the mainstream media will not cover it as things come out and as things change. The Florida Surgeon General, cut 9G, roll that. My life has changed very much over the last five months or so, being now in this position, being able to work with Governor DeSantis on what is, you know, very clearly the issue of my lifetime in terms of this incredible challenge or sort of battle we have between, you know, individual rights and individual choice and truth on one side and really sort of overarching powers, overarching government, abusive powers, abusive data, dishonesty, and frankly, a lot of unethical behavior on the other side. So it's been a it's been a pleasure to be able to to contribute to that, and um, and it's really been it's been a pleasure to to be here. Even though you might people might think otherwise, uh, if they only if they only read news stories. So yeah, you know, the governor mentioned it's our two year anniversary. I still remember very clearly when people were telling us that, um, including a lot of people with a lot of degrees. We're telling us that, you know, 15 days to, to slow the, you know, to, to stop the spread and, and other, uh, other really interesting statements. And I remember my wife and I looking at the newspapers and looking at the, the editorial section of the New York Times thinking, what in heaven's name are these people thinking, you know? And sure enough, obviously that's proven to be true that, uh, that these people had no idea what they were talking about. Um, so, you know, we are, uh, I think, one thing that's very important at this point is to not let these people 
get away with it is the be is just as just the best way to put it because there are they the people that have led us to the point that we are they want us to forget why how we got here and they want us to forget that their choices that they made for everyone were the wrong choices that basically led to no appreciable benefit and we cannot let them forget we have to hold them accountable. We have to let the let the let our country, let the world know what the truth is, because it's the right thing to do, and because it can happen again if we don't. Yeah. Uh, one more. We don't have time for the whole thing, but there was a doctor there who fit that description at the beginning. He was all for vicious lockdowns, and he came there to say the two words that no other person who has been doing these things, who's been partaking in that will say, and that was that I'm wrong. Cut uh, 16, G, roll that. At that time, the only thing I could see was we needed more aggressive COVID policies to get this plague under control, stop these deaths from happening. I was confident that all of the locations that didn't embrace this like aggressive COVID policy, they were going to suffer tremendous deaths. And what we would see next is then, of course, what would follow is they would see how much death they suffered. and would become so painfully obvious that they would adopt all the aggressive policies. But I was wrong. I, I was, my views were wrong at that time because the states and nations that didn't take aggressive COVID policies, they didn't do obviously worse. You know, it was, took me about a year into the pandemic before it became really clear that it wasn't obvious at all that any policy was strongly effective at reducing COVID infections or, or death outside of within the, uh, the island nations, where clearly border control looked like it did have a pretty strong effect. So the scientist in me had to take this emerging data that I was seeing and acknowledge my hypothesis had been, had been falsified, I guess you can say. And the COVID policies that I was so certain were necessary, they just didn't help the way that I would hope they have had helped. And then I realized something that I kind of ignored that, you know, much of the people here have discussed and brought up, which is that these policies were harmful. Initially, I was, I don't want to say I was ignorant, but I was, it was irrelevant because there were lives on the line. I'm an emergency doctor. Lives, there's lives, you know, and it's like, no, we have to do it. But if the policies didn't make a big difference, and they only caused harm, then you have to start rethinking what we're doing. And you have to take the data that, that we're, that's clearly in front of us. And if it is only causing harm, and at best can only save few, we need to think about it. Because if at best, right, an aggressive lockdown policy, imagine it reduced hospitalizations death by 20%. Just hold it right there. Deaths. We'll get to the rest of that clip. And we'll get one more from this uh, conference, which I encourage you to go watch the whole thing. Live from Studio 6B, we're back right up to this. All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do a final sports report for the night. Slick Rick, what's going on? Okay, quick update, NBA. Big uh, battle for the East, the Sixers, and the Bulls in Wells Fargo Center. The Sixers have topped the Chicago Bulls, who are currently in first place, 121-106. Joel Embiid with 43 points. 
and 14 rebounds, a double-double. And uh, update on the Gonzaga game, Big D. They're leading San Francisco right now 36-20, to 20, which means they're covering the 14-and-a-half. There's about 327 to go in the, uh, in the first. <laughs> However, do, one do of my games key to... Do games end with three minutes in the first half? No, I didn't <laughs> no, know they the don't, new rule. I'm giving you an update, Big D. I'm not making a comment. Well, oh. I will say this, though. <laughs> they do tend to rest their players. One of my Gita followers, forgive me, did say, be careful, Slick Rick. Didn't you learn from Duke? They're going to rest some of their players because, you know, they're getting ready for March Madness. But I don't think so. I think they run them right out of the Well, no, isn't there. this conference tournament now? This is big conference tournament. I yeah. know, but yeah, I, I, what can I tell you? That's not the big – listen, the Zags are number one. No way they'll lose this game, but they may rest, start resting well, guys. He just mid- jinxed them. They're not going to rest anybody. Okay. Any, anybody in college basketball can lose on any night. This okay. is conference tournaments. They're not going to rest anybody. Yeah. No way. All right, so good. Maybe they'll, have tw- they'll win by 20. All right, let's go to the rodeo. Houston, this is the big granddaddy of them all. Houston, Texas, NRG Stadium. 20 days of rocking and rolling, guys. Unbelievable. They're in the Super Series 3. They did the first and second series, which were like five rounds apiece. And now they're into the third series, first round. These were all first round scores. Bad back riding. Logan Patterson, 83 points on Featherfoot. $3,000. Steer wrestling, Kyle Irwin, four and a half seconds. Team roping, Junior D's and Levi Lord, 5.3 seconds. Saddle Bronc riding, Coburn Bradshaw, I love that cowboy name, 85 points on Ripcord. Tie down roping, Riley Pruitt, 9.2 seconds, not a great score. Uh, barrel racing, Paige Jones, 14.90 seconds, picked up three G's. And bull riding, Blaine Beatty, 82 points on three days, 32.50. And, um, well, we got a good story here. World's oldest tennis player chooses to stay in Ukraine on its Russia invades. Linoid Stanislavsky says he's hoping to get to 100 by Ryan Gatos of Fox News. Ukrainian Leonoid Stanislavsky, the world's oldest tennis player, said Monday he's hoping to survive the invasion of his home country. Stanislavsky, a 97-year-old amateur tennis player, told Reuters he's hoping to survive long enough to hit triple digits and said there was no real reason for the war in the 21st century. I hope I live to uh, to reach 100. I have to survive this frightening situation. The war started on the 24th of February. From the 24th till now, I've practically not gone out. I've stayed home. I have supplies in the fridge in full, sitting at home and going nowhere. He, um, he has been a part of the International Tennis Federation and was captured in an award-winning photo during the 2021 ITF Super Seniors World Championships in Mallorca, Spain. He told ITF uh, last week he didn't believe President Putin, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin would go through with the invasion. He says, I never thought he'd go through it again, but uh, here he is. And this guy's obviously survived a lot of conflicts in the Ukraine after living, you know, a full century here. But uh, amazing story. He will turn 98 later this month, and I sure hope he survives. I really do. And just one more big day real quick. Aaron Rodgers just received a market-altering contract offer from the Packers, per a report. A lot of people have been asking me to keep track of the uh, what's going on with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, it's a big signing for our Green Bay Packers. Packer fans in the great state of Wisconsin. John Breach of CBS Re- Sports reported, with Aaron Rodgers torn about where he wants to play next year, it 
appears the Packers are trying their best to make his decision easier, and they're doing that by offering him a boatload of money. According to ESPN.com, the Packers have made a significant long-term contract offer to the four-time MVP, and it's an offer that's so big that it will alter the quarterback market. Although the report doesn't mention the exact terms of the deal that hasn't been released. Obviously, um, Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what happens. He did spend the weekend at a teammate's uh, wedding, um, so uh, this was uh, Coach Matt LaFleur was there. David Bakatari um, was actually, uh, Rogers actually officiated of the wedding. So I guess he's an ordained minister. But in any event, uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Some say maybe it shows that he's going to stay with the team. Others said if he was going to do so, he would have probably announced him staying a little bit sooner before the wedding. So just the same big D. Keep an eye on Aaron Rodgers. Packers are making a good shot at him, and uh, we'll see where that goes. I say he's under center for the Broncos Hmm. in September. Wow, John Elway's going to reel him in, huh? Well, the only thing the Packers got going for them is the division they're in. I mean, it's yeah. hard to leave a division when you can win it pretty much with your eyes closed. So that, that's a plus for them. Right. And obviously, if they've offered a boatload of money, that'll help. But I think, the, I think Denver's... I don't know. We'll see. You don't yeah. think he'll go home to uh, San Francisco? No. Yeah. He what about Cali, but... Well, what, about, what about Tennessee? Supposedly, he bought a large piece of property over there. Yeah. Tennessee's maybe possible. They've got some of the pieces he needs, he Good, wants. Great coach, coach of the year. Yeah. They got Derrick Henry. Could be. They do. Uh, all right. Thanks, Rick. Let's do some last news here. Anything else you want to cover, uh, right. Rick? One that I wanted to make sure that we covered, the Supreme Court has reimposed a death sentence on Boston Marathon bomber Sarnaev. Uh, uh, high court 6-3 decision rejected the defense's argument that the judge at the 2015 trial improperly restricted the questioning of of prospective jurors. Um, According to this, and this was reported by NBC News, the Supreme Court, they reimposed that death sentence on the Boston bomber, reversing the federal peers court, voiding the sentence. Zarnayev was convicted of joining his older brother, Tamerlan, in planting and detonating two pressure cooker bombs near the marathon finish in 2013 that killed three people and injured hundreds of others. So thankfully, uh, the decision has been rejected and reversed, and the high court 6-3 decision uh, rejected that defense argument uh, about the judge in the 2015 trial. Yeah. Um. I went over this thread by this gentleman, Gabriel Norana, the other day. And he has another, not a thread, but a piece out. I'm going to read this so I have it for you for tomorrow because I haven't read it yet. But he says, when U.S. US officials told me what was inside the new Iran deal, I realized that Biden was not going back to the JCPOA. His team negotiated an entirely different agreement. And as you can read for yourself here, it is much, much worse than the original. This isn't Obama's Iran deal. It's much, much worth. The last thing the world needs is another nuclear-armed dictatorship flush with cash and attacking its neighbors, but that's what President Biden... Oh, so there you go. There's a, there's a little tease of it right there. Mm-hmm. I'll, re- I'll read this and have it for tomorrow, but, you know, under, under the... Um, Biden and his team are hoping that you're asleep at the wheel while they're doing this. Well... This is, the real, this is the real worry that we should have in America besides all the other things that he's doing to this country is a deal like this. Because this is really where the world is dangerous enough, but this is really where it becomes a real problem. So we'll take a look at this and have it for tomorrow. Um, 
All right, last couple things. Is there anything we didn't hit you? We hit everything, right? So let's just Oh yeah, let's <laughs> let's <laughs> do that. <laughs> so they they give this big speech on EVs today, and as they were rolling into town, well, I mean, we see the Trump rallies. We'll be covering the Trump rally this Saturday on RAV, probably 40, 50,000 people, whatever it'll be. And we remember the president as he would roll into these places, what the streets and the crowds and everything was like. Well, similar today, Biden and Harris rolled into, where I guess, wherever this was in California, somewhere to talk about EVs. And, and uh, here's, the, here's, 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 here's the arrival. Roll it, G. <laughs> His grandma. One, two. Oh, man, I can feel the excitement. Come on. Two. Stand back. Hand me a two. camera. Let's find it. Where's the... Where's the road barriers? Oh, my God. Barricade that. So there's more people manning cameras than actually showed up. Wow. To welcome the vice president. Awesome. She's, oh, yeah. she's really a draw, Sit. isn't she? Cackala embarrass. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they did just the best job ever of keeping the route private, but <laughs> how can, I mean, there's nobody on that street. Well, if those two 80-year-old fossils figure out. They're the only out, two who figured it out. <laughs> where she's going to be. <laughs> you know. Those two. Come on. Yes, Biden, honey. Here she comes. Come on out. Here she comes, <laughs> just a rolling down the street. <laughs> As always, we salute. Our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, friend. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Right here, Real America's Voice. That's Biden. Here he comes. He's an old classmate of mine from 1893. There he is, Joey.